0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which takes a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic film, Jaws, one one minute at a time, or thereabouts. I'm MJ Smith.
1: And I am Sarah Buddery, and we are diving straight back into another Jaws scene. And um, yeah, I, I'm 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 ready to I'm ready to get going. I'm ready to talk more Jaws. This is as we spoke about on last week's podcast, the slowest unwrapping of a gift ever. Um, and we've got a we've we've torn off another layer of Jaws, and we're ready to sink our teeth into it. Um, so if you are watching along at home. The timestamp of the scene that we are talking about today is from nine minutes and fifty-five seconds in up to eleven minutes and nineteen seconds in. Um, so it will be uh, as Brody is leaving the police office and heading out into the town, um, and up to pretty much when Larry starts calling after Brody is is where we finish it. Um, so yeah let's let's get started talking about this uh, talking about this scene so I think the, the first thing I want to talk about is the music right at the start of this scene So okay. as Brody is walking out into the town we hear in the background this marching band um and I just I I've picked up on it before in in just in previous watches but I really like how it fits in with this scene because Brody is a man on a mission at this point. He is quite literally marching into town and it's very appropriate, it seems very fitting and it's also, as as we learn kind of a little bit later, it's diegetic music, so that is music that is happening in the scene and the characters can hear it as well because there is a marching band that are in the town practising for... The regatta but yeah i i really i really like it it's quite simple but that sort of little drum sound as he's marching into town just seems really appropriate
0: yeah so that piece is actually uh, i don't know the name of it but it's by john philip souza who did mm-hmm. a lot of military marches so okay. uh, it fits both with brody's mission and the fourth of july theme because that's the only time in america you ever hear those songs in public is around the fourth of july <laughs> Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's a really fitting piece of music for both the period of time the film takes place and what Brody's up to, and also features a cameo by the greatest director of all time, Mr. Steven Spielberg. So, (laughs) uh, it's supposed to be a marching band and John Williams was like, well, marching bands suck because they're usually high school and junior high students, and so he was embarrassed to ask the orchestra that he was playing with to sound like a marching band because he figured it would be insulting. So Spielberg was like, I played the clarinet in high school and uh, so if you listen, you can hear very bad clarinet playing from Steven Spielberg in this scene on on that track.
1: Hmm. So he doesn't he doesn't appear in it like playing no, he's just on he's, the
0: yeah, he, 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 it's not like a Hitchcock cameo, right? Where yeah. Hitchcock's like in the frame, but he's in it. He's in it later on too. Mm. Um, But his, yeah, his voice is in it later on, way later on.
1: Yeah, I think I knew about that one. I didn't know about him uh, being in the marching band or, or playing an instrument in the marching band. So that's very cool, actually. I didn't, yeah, well, there's, there's my thing that I've learned and we're, you know, a few minutes in. Um, <laughs> What I do like as well is that, um, there's a moment uh, it's as broody kind of like turns the corner and into the into the next street as he's heading into the town and he does this little skip and it just really (laughs) it really really amused me he's got a real like pep in his step he's just well as we said he's he's a man on a mission and and the the music is fitting and appropriate for that but he seems to be in this moment like so happy to be doing his job like he clearly loves his job he takes great pride in that i think that's something that we've seen in previous scenes and we talked about in last week's episode how that was kind of him in like full cop mode he's you know he's typing up the notes he's doing the thing but in this he's now out on you know on the beat kind of doing the the really practical next thing which is going to he's going to get the materials for the the beach lines is what he's what he's on his way to do but yeah i don't know i don't know how intentional that was or whether that's just how roy schreider walks but i really like that kind of like little skip and the birds are singing he's sort of not quite smiling but he's got like a look on his face where he's kind of like yeah i love being a cop <laughs>
0: <clears throat> yeah i man i love roy, roy schreider i need to dig into more of his filmography i think i've only seen two movies with him in it three oh, i've yeah. seen three And I've liked him in all of them. Um, Mm, Yeah. Which ones have you seen? I've seen, uh, well, Jaws, obviously. And then uh, All That Jazz, Mm -hmm. which I didn't like the movie ultimately, but he's fantastic in it. He's really good in it. Um, It just goes on a little too long. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, that. And then he's got a small scene in Marathon Man. Uh, with, yeah yeah yeah. Dustin Hoffman. He plays an assassin in it. I think he's only in mm-hmm. it once, maybe twice. Um, but he's really good in that. Uh mm-hmm. Sorcerer is one that's been on my list forever, but <gasps> it's just kinda hard to track down. MJ,
1: it's so good. <laughs> it's honestly I-, I watched it for the first time a couple of years ago, um, because I, uh, another podcast I listen to, um, which is called, uh, what is it called? Uh, Kermode and Mayo's Film Review, um, oh, mm-hmm. which is like the, the kind of like film uh, review show in this country. And he talks about that film like a lot. He's a massive like William Friedkin fan. So I was yeah. like, okay, this sounds great. It's got Roy Scheider in it. And I watched it and I was like, well, this is going straight into my top 20 of all time. It's, it's so good and he's amazing in it. And I, yeah, Roy Scheider is a very underrated actor. I feel I think I've I've seen him in maybe four or five films. So I'd forgotten about Marathon Man actually, which I have seen. So I've seen that Jaws, obviously Jaws two, and Sorcerer. So I need mm. to I need to watch some more. I need to expand my uh, Roy Scheider watching.
0: Yeah, he's great. Um, mm-hmm. Did you say you haven't seen all that jazz? Right? That no. One? He's super good in it. And that movie is so compelling until the last maybe 30 minutes. <laughs> and <laughs> it gets to a point where it's like, yeah, I get it. You could uh roll credits on this anytime now. <laughs> um, oh, it's still going, huh? All right. Yeah. <laughs> but he's super good in it. He plays Bob Fosse in it. And uh, this sounds at the right up my word.
1: street. Okay, I'm writing it down as we speak. This is. Yeah. The second recommendation I've now had from you, so I will go ahead and watch
0: (laughs) that. Yeah, Um, so he's just, he's so natural, and he also does this thing in the scene when he goes into the paint shop or when he goes mm -hmm. into the hardware store and he knocks over the brushes. (laughs) It's so good.
1: (laughs) I love that. I don't think
0: it's intentional at all. Either he's the best actor who's ever lived, and he sold it but the way he's just like oh shit and like fumbling <laughs> with it it's so like relatable cause like it's embarrassing to do that stuff in public but he's also like trying to do something important so he's like he's he's amped up you know mm-hmm. he's excited and he just gets like too hype about it and like becomes this sort of bull in a china shop uh, in this hardware store and it's this great very organic just natural moment uh of yeah i get it i've been i've been stressed and in a hurry and like fumbled with my uh belongings or stuff i'm trying to take off a shelf or Mm -hmm. whatever too Mm.
1: yeah i think it makes it makes him very relatable and very likable in that moment and i've always wondered and never found out whether that was intentional or not or whether it was just an accident and they were like this is good let's keep it in (laughs) i i like to think that it was an accident (laughs) um because that just that just makes it so much better for me and and that you know he was just kind of yeah i think it takes i don't know how convincingly you can act something that's like that naturally clumsy if that makes sense like it just seems to happen like so organically and yeah i i really love that moment and i love that this scene in particular is kind of sprinkled with these little kind of comic touches and we get a great payoff from the previous scene as well which i think is one of the best visual gags in jaws but it's um he's on his way into town and we've just heard polly in the previous scene talking about the kids like karate in the fence Mm -hmm. um and as soon as brody is like in the town he is then like accosted by this other person in the town (laughs) and in the background you see this fence that has just been destroyed by these children and it makes me laugh Every single time. Um, and I, it's just... Jaws has these little moments where you you don't even have to be really, like, paying attention like we are. I mean, we are looking at this in, like, detail. But you've just heard something in the previous scene and like that is a moment and a line that people will remember because the idea of kids, like, karate chopping a fence is funny. So then immediately afterwards to then get the payoff of that is... I just love it. I love how natural the flow is in these kind of early scenes where the things that were spoken about in the previous scene, you then get the kind of reward for that, like straight away. I love that.
0: Yeah, so you had mentioned that on last week's episode and I was like, I've never noticed that we see the karate chop fence ever. Really? (laughs) Yeah, i would (laughs) never noticed that gag ever. And uh, so when I watched it, you know, for this episode, I was like, oh, hey, yeah, there it is. Like, (laughs) it has completely bypassed me every time I've seen this movie. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: having just just finished Cobra Kai, yep, that seems about accurate for how kids would be who just went to karate school.
1: (laughs) They'll karate chop whatever they can get their hands on. They don't care if it's some guy's fence.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but this scene is great because brody once again it's still reinforcing the same uh like nothing real new happens in the scene thematically that we didn't talk about last Mm. week but we see an expansion of it so instead of going deeper into the movie we go wider into the world of amity and what amity kind of looks like when it's operating normally Mm. and we see the hustle and bustle of fourth of july happening and the things that are, are going on around it and it reminded me a lot actually of the opening of Shaun of the dead but in yeah. reverse where you know in Shaun of the dead when the zombies come he goes about his normal routine not knowing everything that's happened while all the while sleepily walking through the town and mm. you know the zombies are happening around him and he's just completely oblivious whereas this <laughs> is obviously the opposite where he's tearing through town because he knows the threat that they're dealing with and the town has no idea yet so they're just operating business as usual
1: mm. yeah actually that's a really good point and i never would have thought of making that comparison before but yeah actually well i mean I, I i think i mentioned in a previous episode like some comparisons with hot fuzz as well mm-hmm. <laughs> in this kind of like wanting the town to look its absolute best and kind of doing whatever it takes to make sure that the appearances of the place are are kept up and i think yeah this this scene does a really great job like you said of expanding what we know and you know all we've seen of amity so far is uh the beach and interiors so we've seen inside uh, Brody's house and a little bit of kind of like the island but it seems that his house is a bit kind of out from the main town um and then obviously the the police office the department there so yeah and <laughs> there's another really great moment again i don't know if intentional or or not and it's very subtle but as brody is kind of like walking towards the hardware store that he needs to get to um he almost goes the wrong way so mm. i <laughs> so it's obviously there's this real kind of like hustle and bustle there's a lot of people around but also it kind of emphasizes that that he is still relatively new to this area i mean you'd like to think that he knows the place pretty well but um it's just kind of that double take moment he does of like he starts walking in one direction and then he realizes he's going completely the wrong way so he sort of corrects himself but yeah there's there's a a lot happening in this scene it's quite uh it's quite chaotic in in the town you've got these where you've got this marching band kind of doing their doing their rehearsal or whatever they're doing we also see a lot of the characters that kind of come into play like minor characters um that come into play a bit later so we see i think is the medical inspector leaving his office and Mm -hmm. the newspaper guy as well he's kind of leaving the amity gazette building and and heading off somewhere and yeah we there's a lot of activity and kind of general hubbub as well and I think we get a really good sense of how big an event this is for the town, and um I noticed as well I'm pretty sure it says it on the billboard but i I noticed it more this time around so in the town centre there's this banner across the the middle, and it says again you know uh the amity regatta um and what I noticed is that it's the fiftieth regatta, so mm. we uh I spoke about I think on last week's episode about the significance of this being the 4th of July which is a significant event for America but this particular 4th of July weekend regatta event for Amity is special because it's the 50th so it's an anniversary um, event so clearly everyone is on even even higher alert and wanting things to be even more perfect than normal and I think that says a lot about why everyone seems to be so on edge about their kind of problems and the things that they're dealing with because this is a big deal for the town
0: yeah and we see that too in the hardware store where the the guy's accosting the the guy behind the (laughs) counter of like none of the stuff i ordered is on here which is a big deal that would be (laughs) devastating if it was right before fourth of july you know people are going to come into your town and they, they want to do stuff, and you know you've been there. You've operated your shop for years. You know what these people like to buy during the season. You know what they do. You know their leisure activities, and you put place a bigger order than normal for the stuff, and then mm. you don't get it, like a day or two before people start arriving. Yeah, um, that's yeah, that's that's definitely that man is not an island full of Karens. That is a legitimate concern.
1: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. We'll let we'll let this guy off. <laughs> um yeah actually there's some very interesting things that come out of that of that conversation that particular Karen um so first of all I had to google that this wasn't like a slur or something but he he says about the people coming to the island he refers to them as summer ginks um, mm-hmm. that wasn't a word I was familiar with so I, <laughs> so I had to look it up and it's basically a, a foolish or contemptible person so I think it's it's just a way of kind of being like you know these these stupid tourists or you know these these tourists which they yeah it's there's moments throughout I think where it's the townspeople are both completely reliant on the tourists for their income and for making their money but they're also they're also a little bit uh kind of brusque or a bit you know not quite as as pleasant or as amicable to outsiders as they are kind of their own people so by referring to them as as that i think it's like there's that kind of duality of like these people know that they rely on the tourists for their money but they're also kind of like they're quite it's quite an insular community if that if yeah if that makes sense yeah
0: i get it i mm-hmm. i actually kind of experienced that there's um there's a music festival that i go to every year in austin texas and mm-hmm. uh austin people like it. It, the thing about that festival too so it's one of the it's austin city limits which is one of the bigger festivals that the country sees mm-hmm. um and so there's also kind of coachella they have a lot in common um as far as music, like, acts and things like that, and also the type of people that it attracts. The thing about Coachella is it's in the middle of the desert. No one gives a Mm. crap, right? Like, it does not affect the town whatsoever. Austin City Limits happens kind of in the heart of Austin, from what I could tell. Like, uh, when I went, they had... We had to park in, I'm pretty sure, downtown, middle of downtown Austin, and take a shuttle up to the park that the, the festival happens at and so it's just like in the middle of the city so everyone just descends on austin and it's one of those things where i do you know shout out to, to twitter homies like a lot of the film stuff in america happens in austin like a lot mm. of the film journalism and stuff so i know a lot of people in austin through twitter and every year they're like these fucking like <laughs> a- ACL people are coming yeah. this year and I'm one of them. And so I feel bad just being like, Hey guys, I'm here for the exact reason you don't want me to be here. <laughs> um But I love it and it's great and stuff. So uh sorry, awesome people, but uh, I'm gonna <laughs> going to keep going because it's, it's a good festival and it's fun and I love live music and I, you know, I get it for as much as I try to, not kind of disturb the ecosystem when i go places i i know that you know a lot of people aren't really thinking twice about that and Mm -hmm. so um you know if you have someone like in the heart of your city or tens of thousands to potentially hundreds of thousands of people in the heart of your city uh it's going to get real annoying real fast especially since austin's kind of a growing Mm -hmm. community it's maybe a little bit too population dense with just the people who live there hmm. as it is and it's growing all the time I think it's one of the fastest growing cities in the country and so to have like an additional you know tens to hundreds of thousands of people show up for two weekends it's a festival that goes two weekends at the beginning of October um that's got to be real annoying <laughs>
1: yeah i i i totally get it and i i don't live in central london but i used to work in central london so i was just off tottenham court road and it is like round the corner from the most kind of touristy area of london which is like leicester Mm. square soho oxford street so in just my like walk from the office to the tube station i would encounter so many tourists and they walk really slow they don't kind of follow like the london rules which is like head down don't talk to anyone they're excited and taking pictures and it's (laughs) it doesn't take long to start getting very annoyed by those people and it's like oh i've i've been a tourist and been places as well where i've probably annoyed locals so i get it (laughs) it's that kind of like i don't want to be that person who is like oh these tourists but also when you're in a place like every day and I'm just trying to get home I'm just trying to like do my commute and get to the office or get home or get a coffee or something and I want to do it quickly and efficiently and there's people like having a fun time and taking pictures and and being on their holidays or sightseeing and they're in my way um yeah I get it (laughs) that sounds really harsh but I think everyone has probably been on both sides of that coin so yeah, I can, I can sort of relate to how the people of Amity are feeling in this situation because uh, particularly that guy in the shop, because like you said, he, he's ordered all this stuff. I think it's like sun lounges, umbrellas, beach balls, all the kind of like beachy stuff that that he needs and none of it's come. And what it sounds like is just that it's been delayed and it's not going to come until August. And he's like, well, that's no good because the people are here now. Um, But yeah, another thing that's interesting about that conversation is that it brings up, I think, just how the the struggle that comes later, which is this economy versus safety um, idea. And I think mm-hmm. it's going to be impossible not to bring up the current pandemic situation again, because that seems like the entire debate about whether places should be allowed to reopen or not and it's this constant kind of juggling act and it's certainly really evident in the uk where it's it's a real balancing act of being like okay we need to open certain areas so that they you know shops or restaurants or whatever so that the economy gets going again and so that people are making money and they're not out of work but also, balancing that with keeping people safe, so I think this idea of just how reliant the people of this town are on on this weekend on on this kind of holiday period um and how this un at the moment unseen threat of the shark is about to disrupt all of that. it kind of makes all of that animosity between the townspeople and The police or the authority figures, I kind of see it, and I'm now I I now start to see it from both sides of the coin. And I think in all other watches of Jaws, I've been like these dumb people, like they need to just listen to them. And I still think that because (laughs) there's no way the beaches should open in this situation. No, I was just going to say I get it. I I get I get their frustration as well. Like this is this is how they make their money. What you know, they're worried about their livelihoods and their families and that makes sense
0: yeah um we had kind i had kind of that growing up my dad was a bartender my entire life Mm. and he bartended at a bowling alley here in my city and the way bowling works is you have leagues right and Mm. the leagues play there are certain leagues every night of the week basically monday through friday and uh my dad would work not at the main bar at the bowling alley but there was just like a little bar that was right out on the lanes they called it the service bar
1: mm. and
0: in the service bar he would just have kind of basic you know uh one bottle of gin one bottle of rum one bottle of tequila one bottle of uh whiskey and beer and kegs of beer and so you could kind of get your basic you know if you wanted just. A mixed drink and you didn't care about the quality of the alcohol. You just wanted the alcohol. Go there, get it. It's a lot faster than having to go wait in the bar or whatever. And so he would only work during the leagues. During the nights that they would do, they would shut down. I don't know if they have this there. Uh, it's called cosmic bowling where they like make everything dark and put like... uh spotlights and and neon lights and have a dj and stuff Mm. at that time his bar would shut down and the only place where you could get drinks was the main bar um the thing about bowling leagues is bowling leagues only run really from like august september until about may Mm. and so my dad would make tons of money off of the league bowlers there and then during the summer, people would go on vacation somewhere else. Mm. And they wouldn't have as many leagues. There were there's like maybe two to three summer leagues that happen. Um, but they're not as big as the winter leagues. They don't draw in the amount of people. There's still plenty of casual play. The thing with casual play, it's a lot of families. People aren't gonna drink when they're driving their kids around, you know. <laughs> um, so summers were real lean times for us when I was growing up. And You know, it was it was this weird thing where every time League would come around, it was kind of awesome for our family. It would be really good, Uh, Mm. you know, and maybe we didn't have some some good uh, saving habits involved to (laughs) to get us through the summer. But uh, I definitely have seen that personally where your livelihood can really depend on the amount of people coming through your place of business and to have that kind of taken away. Mm. It can be scary and it's, it's, it's a very real thing to consider. I, you know, for as much as I have problems with the way a lot of leadership has handled, uh, particularly at the federal level, uh, this pandemic, Mm. um, I also understand, I don't envy anyone having to make a decision about what to do in this situation Mm. because it's really hard and I don't know, like, I don't know that I would make a better decision either which is why i'm not running for office anywhere (laughs) but you know it's it is hard to consider and you know by nature of what this situation is you think about that you think like what what would i do like what do i think is the best course of action for a government to take and you know more often than not i'm just like oh i don't know man like this (laughs) is you know, there, I'm going to need a lot of input from a lot of people who are a lot smarter than I am Mm. on how to deal with this. And even just around our apartment complex too, like we're seeing more empty apartments than we ever have in our two years here. Um, there's an apartment right across from us that it's been empty, like two months almost and apartments here, we were booked up all the time. And so, uh, you know, people just don't have the funds to keep paying rent or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's just it's it's real hard uh but at the same time there are i think there are very obvious things that places can do that are not doing that (laughs) um Mm. uh to to help alleviate that and uh yeah it's it's very complex and the other thing with amity where this breaks down is amity's not an entire nation right Mm. like it's not like the federal government really has to step in necessarily and save them, uh, or provide stimulus checks or provide you know rent relief yeah. or whatever. Like it's a it's a very localized situation, mm. and that makes it a lot harder to deal with on bigger government levels.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's it's a it's a microcosm, really, isn't it? Compared to the scale of I mean, what <laughs> the problems that we're going through now, but I think it's it's still interesting how that kind of conflict comes out between you know particularly as the people of Amity don't know about this you know other threat yet and like we said on last week's episode they don't really start to be concerned about it until it starts to affect them directly or until they see it so their concerns are their livelihoods and their money and how they are going to make that money if the beaches are closed or if something happens. But I think what's, what's interesting about this this conversation between the customer and, and the guy in this shop is that, that that concern that he has about whether he will be able to make his money, that's coming out before he even knows anything about the shark. <laughs> this yeah. guy hasn't got a, a single foggiest idea what Brody is up to, what happened to Chrissy, nothing. He is just like you you done messed up like where are my sun loungers where's my where's my umbrellas and my beach balls this is a disaster that you don't have this stuff in stock um and it's it's nothing to do with the kind of conflict that we see later which is like you can't close the you know can't close the beaches uh, you know because of this shark this guy knows nothing about that he's just like this is where i make my money that i you know i don't know what what he does whether it's hiring those things out or or selling them to people coming to the beach is not quite clear but yeah the 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 kind of fragile economy i guess of this island is something that is clearly a concern all the time and i think that that's interesting how that comes out in this scene and that how reliant these people are on the summer season and that idea of being like you know they like the case with your dad like they they make their money that probably sees them through the rest of the year from oh, like yeah. june to august that's their that's their peak time that is summertime that is when they are making their money and this particular weekend is like the big weekend it couldn't be a bigger weekend or holiday period it's it's 4th of july it's the regatta it's kind of like the height of summer it's when everyone comes to the island so this any kind of threat or disruption to the the status quo on this island is going to be a disaster for these people.
0: Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, Larry Larry Vaughn says as much, right? Like that's mm-hmm. his his main concern when he approaches uh, Brody later on. Is, hey, let's let's pump the brakes here a little bit, mm. um, but. You know, it it does feel like every other tourist town. I mentioned last week about the the Central Coast stuff. And, I yeah, it's absolutely June through August that they're making their money. No one wants to go to the beach when it's cold. Mm. Um, And school is in session and uh, people just are taking less vacations. And, you know, teachers are back at school and they don't really get vacation days the way uh, people in 9 to 5s do. So there's just less travel overall. I mean, even places as dry as Las Vegas here their main tourist months are from like Memorial Day to Labor Day, from May to the end of May to the beginning of September. Mm. And it's super expensive to go to Las Vegas, even though it's 120 degrees all the time <laughs> during those months. And you can get a room for dirt cheap around basically every weekend except Valentine's Day, any other time of the year. Um, so it's, you know, if football season might have something to do with it this year, or not this year because, you know, football stadiums don't have people in them but uh they just acquired a football team and so that might that might have that might help improve during the quote-unquote off-season uh people Mm. traveling to see the Raiders games although I don't know why anyone would travel to see a Raiders game
1: (laughs) that's another issue yeah um yeah I I went to Vegas in August um so can uh attest to it being one really hot and two really expensive (laughs) i had i had no choice uh my friend was getting married in vegas so i was like this is the time uh that i have to go but yeah it was it was expensive it was like the beginning of august that i went so yeah i
0: can can relate
1: (laughs) um (laughs) yeah just coming towards kind of the end of this scene i think something that really comes out for me is how small this place is and where that kind of is particularly evident is that so it's when Hendrix pulls up so Brody is he's just knocked the paintbrushes he's got all his stuff um and then Hendrix pulls up in the car and he's you know telling him that there's some boy scouts who are out swimming and um that you know that is now obviously something that needs to be dealt with he can't call out so someone needs to physically go um obviously it, like prior to hearing that, Brody's plan is kind of like, I've got the stuff to make the signs. I'm going to take these back to the office. I'm going to make the signs. I'm going to put them on the beach and, you know, then kind of deal with the next thing. But this throws a proverbial spanner in the works and it's like, is it just these two guys? Like, are (laughs) are there other police officers on this island? Because it seems like what they're doing is basically kind of like just rotating duties between themselves and i think actually it's mentioned in a later scene where they're like we're, we're calling in like extra extra officers or something like from the yeah. mainland who kind of come to help out because it's the holiday weekend but yeah it's it's like you know Brody has to kind of change course in that moment so then he kind of you know gets Hendricks out of the car leaves him with the the sign making equipment and and off he goes but yeah it just really hammered home like this is a small ass town and yeah, there are not many cops.
0: <laughs> yeah and I, I what what I really like about that scene is it does show that hendrix is yeah I think we're so used to seeing like the the stoic chief and then the bumbling deputy and hendrix yeah. is a little goofy right? like he gets the the line about like have Polly do the printing. Hey, what's wrong with my printing? have Polly do the printing. <laughs> Um, which hashtag can relate because I write like a serial killer. So, uh, (laughs) I definitely would be like, yeah, I get it. I get it, chief. Um, but I think it goes to show that Hendrix himself is actually a pretty good deputy as Mm. far as being a support system to Brody because he hears about the Boy Scouts doing their swim and... Even though this is in walking slash running distance, Hendrix is like, he's got a jam to the beach. So I have to take the truck to him. So he rolls up in the truck. Like he had the foresight to be like, Brody's going to need the truck and he does not have time to run back and get it. Mm. And I think that's, I think that goes to show that like Hendrix is kind of on top of it too. Like he's not, he's no slouch, even though he's in way more over his head than Brody is. He really wants to do right by these people too. Like his heart's definitely in the right place.
1: Mm, yeah that's a good point actually i I hadn't really thought about it in that way before because he does kind of like have this like a goofy demeanor and um but yeah he's they are kind of they make like a good team it seems as well like they've kind of got this this relationship or this working relationship down where it's like you know he i think knows and understands Brody well enough to know that you know he him telling him that is going to mean that he wants to go there like straight away because it's he understands the severity of the situation he has seen the body as well so he is you know straight out of there and takes like you said takes the car to him so that he can get there quickly and is you know despite the kind of you know joke about his his handwriting he takes he takes on the you know okay i'll 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 do this thing the chief is going to go off and and sort that situation out so because that that kind of that situation with the with the boy scouts out doing their swimming kind of now takes priority over the over the getting the signs up but at the same time those signs need to go up to stop other water activities happening and this is this is the result of what Brody was kind of um saying to Polly in the previous scene where he was giving her the instructions like I need a list of all the water activities happening and yeah. uh kudos to Polly as well she got that list uh, pretty quick cuz <laughs> he's yeah. like I don't know how long you know how long it took Brody to do the transaction in the shop but he he we pretty much followed him like in real time like he marched down to the shop he was in there knocking things over getting his stuff and then you know in that time uh we can call it like half an hour maybe i don't i don't know or even less than that but um yeah. polly's already she's 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 done the thing she's she's found that list she's she's on the ball as well she knows what she's doing
0: <laughs> she's on top of it she gets those signs up pretty quick too yeah and she's... they look good
1: yeah they do she's got she's got better handwriting than uh than hendrix i do really like and that. better <laughs> spelling
0: than uh brody
1: yeah <laughs> if brody did it it would be like i don't know <laughs> just like all misspelled like
0: yeah it would be like a <laughs> what is it what does the sign say beach clothes closed, beach closed,
1: by order of amity pd no swimming something along those lines yeah yeah
0: <laughs> oh. Beach closed. It just gave me which beaches are open in California right oh. now. Uh, no swimming hazardous area, beach closed. Yeah, it would be like H A Z U R D O U S
1: Hazard <laughs> Oh, bless. <laughs> we love that Brody is human and makes mistakes and is a little bit clumsy, but you know, he's 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 got stuff to do. He's an important he's an important guy and he's off to kind of do do the next practical thing which is you know get it getting out there and talking to the or you know getting the the scouts in who are who are out swimming and yeah i i really like how these kind of early scenes bleed into the next and it 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 made my life very difficult when i was trying to do the episode breakdowns because i could not decide where to cut this off um Hmm. but actually actually if you're kind of like flicking like between the scenes on the blu-ray when larry calls after brody is like the the start of a new scene so i was kind of like okay that's as good a time as any um to cut oh, it yeah. off but there's real kind of flow in these scenes so obviously we won't get on to the next scene too much because that'll be next week's episode but what immediately follows after this is uh is i believe hendrick's talking to talking to larry so now he's bought into the bought into the picture and we see brody go out and and see the scouts and then those kind of two things collide as well and there's the kind of first uh conversation between larry and brody but yeah it's Brody's real good at his job he's a good cop i think yep. we've established that
0: <laughs> i also like to think that while he's on his way to pick up the stuff i like to think that he's in the back of his mind just like yeah become a cop do arts and crafts yeah <laughs> That's what I yeah. signed up for. Is I got to do this freaking hobby lobby ass work.
1: <laughs> but by the but judging by how he skips on down to the hardware store, he is delighted to be doing some something a little bit creative.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, He's an artist at heart.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then this these kids these darn kids have to get in the way of his uh, his masterpiece and uh, decide to go yeah, swimming. His art therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Um did you have anything else that you kind of picked up on in this scene or anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh
0: no, I think I think that's it. It's it's a really good way to kind of introduce us to the world of amity and what it looks like and what it looks like beyond, you know, the police station and Birdie's house and just sort of it also we don't spend a lot of time in the geography of Amity. We know Mm. it's small and that's about it but it's good to kind of get a feel for the town before stuff really starts hitting the fan.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you get you get the real sense of activity and buzz in this scene and just like how much is kind of going on and this is even before like the tourists even really start to arrive. So we kind of see the boatloads of people um coming a bit later but this is the the town or we assume the people who live there already just kind of getting ready like for the activities and yeah really the sense that i got from this scene was kind of it's it's still the calm before the storm but i think that it's it's starting to get a bit more agitated and even though this scene is like fairly kind of like innocent and innocuous it's it's starting to kind of like build up that tension in a weird way because you're like oh all these poor lovely people worried about their fences and their beach loungers they are not going to know what has hit them <laughs> so it's that kind of we know but they don't sense again and obviously yeah. the closer those things start to get the more the more that kind of like tension tension between the the law and the people starts to starts to build as that threat kind of comes closer to them.
0: Yeah. There is a real sense of, um, I don't want to say dread that seems like too extreme of a word, but just, yeah, knowing what we know and what's coming for these people, it's, it, it, it kind of colors it in on the edges of just like a little bit of sadness. We're mm. like, Oh, these poor, these poor people. Like, Yeah you don't you have no idea yeah
1: Yeah, it's not quite dread it's more kind of just like unease i think of just like oh they don't even know (laughs) um yeah i think i think that's that's about it for um for this week um so if you want to find us on twitter you can do that you can follow us individually i am at sarah buttery and uh, mj is at mj smith891 um did you have anything that you wanted to plug this week MJ you were it was it was MJ heavy last week with all your activities but <laughs> if you had anything else you
0: wanted yeah, to Yeah was a lot there was a <laughs> lot Um no not as much this week I think by the time this comes out an episode of my other podcast Real Perspective that's R E E L Perspective it's going to have artwork that says the before and after show disregard that there's a new logo coming um, and uh, yeah that's available on I think everywhere but Spotify. Um, mm-hmm. I need to get it on Spotify. And we're talking season one and two of Cobra Kai. Um, the once YouTube red, then YouTube premium, then dead, now resurrected by Netflix uh, TV show about the Karate Kid, which none of the co-hosts have any nostalgia for the Karate Kid and we still liked it a great deal. So um, <laughs> yeah, that's out. It's been a while since our last uh, episode because turns out having a movie podcast that talks about current release movies during a, a global pandemic is kind of hard to hard to run
1: yeah i i can i can relate uh, which is why on uh, my other podcast that i am a host on uh which is jumpcast i am currently going through all the walt disney animated classics um because uh, we normally do no, like new releases as well we've done a couple of netflix ones but you know disney plus is a thing i love disney so i am working my way through those um so if you can't get enough of uh listening to us on this podcast then you can listen to us on those other podcasts as well i don't know it might actually be out today i'm hoping so but i i was on an episode of fundamentals as well um talking to a friend of the show harley mumford and uh i was talking about disney so if you want to hear me talk more generally about why i love disney and not like a specific film um then you can listen to that um as well and we will be getting harley on our show at some point in the future um we i originally when i spoke to him saw that the scene he wanted to do we would be recording like next summer So um, we worked out a way to get him on a bit sooner. So he'll be on in a few weeks, Mm. um, which is good. And looking forward to having him on because he's great. And we both enjoy doing our Fundamentals episodes with him. So go and check out uh, his podcast as well. It's some really interesting episodes of people talking about the things that they love. Um, And uh, where am I at? You can follow the podcast at Jaws for a minute um i put out a tweet about if you want to do us some art of uh sharks wearing handcuffs so maybe i've received some by the time this episode comes out but i i just re-emphasizing how much i want to see that so if you can draw or even if you can't i think it'll be pretty funny if you try (laughs) and draw us a shark in handcuffs um so please send those our way and uh if we get enough We'll do a little little competition, and you can win a t-shirt or something from our Redbubble. Um, And you can buy stuff from our Redbubble as well. Um, If you search for podcast for a minute, which is our super smart way of getting around any copyright, um, then you can find our merchandise. Uh, You can basically get our logo on anything that you want. You can get a mask, uh, which is great for this current pandemic that we're in. You can get a t-shirt, you can get a sticker, a badge whatever you want to put our logo on you can do it um to give a mention again to uh the designer of our podcast alex shout out to alex i know he listens um that logo is great and i have so many comments about it I don't, so about, I don't know about i don't about umj oh your t-shirt arrived didn't it
0: yeah so i went kind of ham uh <laughs> on merch i got a i got a button a mask and a t-shirt and i'm wearing all three proudly yeah
1: <laughs> i love it it's such a great logo i'm waiting for payday so that i can buy everything else in the store
0: um i know i told my wife i was like don't be surprised uh after next payday if we have jaws for a minute coasters." and she was like we don't need coasters
1: (laughs) you're like yeah we do (laughs) i was like we need
0: these coasters
1: i'm just i'm just waiting for christmas when every single person in my family is gonna get something with that logo on it and there's nothing (laughs) there's nothing they can do about it (laughs) Um, and what am I missing? Yes, if you want to uh, contact us or give us any feedback or tell us what you like about the show, if there's anything that we can do better as well, you know, be kind and we'll we'll do our best. Um, then you can email us, uh, which is Jaws a minute at gmail um, And yeah, let us know what you think of the episode. You can leave reviews uh, on Apple Podcasts and all those other places as well. That helps people find us and we really appreciate it and I think that's about it so we will see you next week and don't forget it's Jaws o'clock somewhere